Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. If it was Katie's choice, what would the name be? I want to know. I liked Once Upon a Tom. Once Upon a Once Tom. Once Upon a Tom. That's cute. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's Schwartz and Sandy. What do you think? What do you think? I just, I still, I'm still not convinced. I like that. I like that you don't like it. You like that you're the only one that likes it. I'm not the only one that likes it, Katie. Actually. I like it now, too. Like, really? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like, yes, I do. Yeah. I really okay, love I know, it. But, like, you're, you're going a little too hard. Yeah. I'm not just saying I, bro, that. I swear, I really, I really, I, 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 really, I, I really love, I really love the name. Like, oh, I'm blinking like, SOS. Oh, no. You're the one who's hyped. I'm a big picture guy, you know? The name, I feel like... Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Shit, let's just call it our uh, Friday Bravo Roundup edition, if you will. Um, So I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I was in a bit of a conundrum. We're now done with Winter House. Uh, If you guys didn't catch my recap on that, it will be on the last episode before this one. And uh, I was having... You know, I was really waffling on whether or not to recap Vanderpump Rules. And, uh, you guys, I wrote full notes for this episode. Y'all really tricked the hell out of me. I saw more people discussing Vanderpump Rules this week than they have this entire season. So I'm going into it thinking that I was about to watch a really good episode and maybe there was something off about my vibes but for me I just feel very tricked bamboozled scammed and led astray it really didn't do a lot for me and sorry so we'll get into it I guess we should just get into it now um 
what happened? <laughs> a lot of the main storylines were about James's sobriety, which I actually did find very compelling. But mostly it was just about Katie, Tom, and Tom, the just demented love triangle that is Schwartz and Sandy and Maloney Schwartz. It's it's a hot mess, but I let me just like wrap this up really quickly because I really I'm I'm so excited to talk about Real Housewives of Orange County, which is something that I never thought I would be able to say again. I just want to get into it. So obviously we know that there's tension between Katie and Sandoval, period. There's even more tension because Katie wants to join join in on Schwartz and Sandy's and Sandoval does not want to. There's even more tension because uh, Schwartz, the most tension and really the only tension, all, all roads lead back to Schwartz. And the fact that he does not navigate his two relationships with these people well at all. Here's the thing. Katie and Tom should not be married to one another. And that's really probably top two issues with them. They don't need to be together. I think that they're really just bringing each other down. There don't seem to be a whole lot of positives outside of the show of them staying together. Y'all feel me? Um, The way he treats her is so bad. But... This is nothing new, really. I feel like every season there's some big thing that happens with Shorts and Katie. And then everybody's like, see, he really isn't that nice guy. And I went through that moment myself like a couple years ago. And I just feel like, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, she sucks. They don't need to be together. I don't really know what else to say about it. You know what I mean? Like... The way he sticks up for Sandoval is not becoming of a husband, even if I don't disagree with it. I have always been like, I've been very adamant about the fact that there's no reason why Katie should be pushing wanting to go into business with Sandoval, a person that she doesn't even like. It does not make sense. Why would you do that? You know, unless it was somebody who was like, I don't like you as a person, but I trust you as a business person. Another thing that Katie is very adamant that she does not feel. She feels like Sandoval is basically a joke and that he doesn't need to be taken seriously. So again, Katie, why do you want to go into business with him? You know, that's my problem. And that's kind of where things end for me. (laughs) And that's why I'm on Sandoval's side. Like, it doesn't make any sense logically why they should go into a financial uh, agreement on a serious major investment in a business together and beyond that like I don't really know what we're talking about so um what really needs to happen here is that Schwartz needs to have a conversation with his wife but then we find out later that there might be Katie never really confirms this but Ariana speculates and Schwartz also speculates that because Katie and Tom apparently had a conversation about opening a sandwich shop with one another and now he's in uh, business with Sandoval on this new business that maybe she feels like we had something going and then you kind of left me but again that is an issue if that's the issue then it's an issue that she's projecting onto Sandoval which is not his problem you know again 
like I said, all roads lead back to Schwartz. Um, so I just like, I, I, I find this so frustrating, the storyline <laughs> that I just like, it's hard to talk about, even though it's probably the most compelling part outside of like the Sheena and Brock thing, which I hesitate to call compelling given what it was about, you know? Um, speaking of Sheena and Brock, I did like this part with uh, Sheena talking about her kind of struggling with her body image and Brock's birthday is about to come up. They're going to have a Mad Max party. I love that Sheena said, I tried to watch the movie and it just kind of seems like dead people walking around. So I didn't really get what the theme, what I was supposed to be wearing. (laughs) And so Brock is like, oh, you know, you're supposed to be wearing just whatever you find in the street, you know, like, (laughs) okay, that was like not bad. You have to admit, that was not bad. Um, so she talks about, like, I just don't like having these theme parties. It makes me feel really insecure about my body. I, you know, whatever. Brock, I thought, said, like, a pretty nice thing of, I just wish that she believed me when I said that she's beautiful. And when she looks good, I really mean that. And I hope that there's a day where she can look at me and say, like, I feel good about myself. I look hot. Like, I, I'm looking forward to that day for her. Um and what happened after that? Oh, James. Okay, so James's storyline, I don't know, maybe this was a good episode. <laughs> maybe I'm just in a bad mood. Um, so James, he's talking about his sobriety. He's coming up on his second two-year anniversary of his alcohol sobriety, and he has a friend, or a, uh, his father's friend, named Peter Lorimer, who I meant to Google and see, did, something about his name sounded really familiar but this was a family friend that um was because of her his dad and just they were like old party pals okay now i'm reading his bio on his uh uh, profile or his uh, website and it's actually pretty impressive so i guess they knew each other from the music industry peter ended up getting sober so peter um he is was working he retired from the music industry in 2003 but before that he has over 30 number one billboard chart hits uh by people like pink cheryl crow nxs george michael christina aguilera those types um so he's now sober and i thought it was very interesting and like thought-provoking of him to of james to say I've kind of had this man in my pocket available to me this whole time because he's been in my life since I was a kid and I've had him, you know, I knew that he was there to help me with my sobriety, but I never reached out to him because I wasn't ready. And I knew that once I talked to him, I would have to make those steps. And so they're talking about his sobriety and how great it is and, and then James says that he is not fully sober. He's like Cali sober. He's still smokes weed. He smokes every day. It's a wake and bake situation. And they really have this like come to Jesus moment about is this something that you really need in your life? Is this something that maybe we can consider letting go of? So Peter encourages him to, you know, come up with a date in the future that maybe say, Hey, I'm going to stop everything and just see how it feels. And James says, you know what? My two year anniversary is coming up. I think I'll just do it then. 
And Peter tells him his kind of journey with sobriety because James says that he hesitates. He doesn't, he stopped going to AA basically because he doesn't feel like he's not fully sober. So it just doesn't feel right to him. And Peter was saying, you know, there were times when I would not go to AA and it would be maybe three, six months. And then I would be, you know, it wasn't like some big dramatic movie moment. It would be, I was at a party and somebody would offer me a drink and I would think, Hey, I'm fine. And then I would just spiral immediately. And he asks James if he feels powerless over weed and he says, yes. And yeah, I thought it was a really powerful moment. And then we see James have a conversation with Ken and Lisa about his sobriety and they had an interesting response. I would say uh, more laissez-faire than I expected out of, out of both of them, frankly. So James is coming to them pretty humbly about, yeah, I've just realized that this is not for me, um, that I have basically, oh, and he had this conversation with Peter about his rage and Peter said, rage and addiction go hand in hand. And basically, once you stop one thing, great, but it, uh, it comes out in other ways. Your rage comes out in other ways. So um, James is talking to Ken and Lisa about his rage and how it's not good for him. And Lisa's like, oh, like, you know, when you called my son a fat cunt and then you expect him to still be friends with you. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> then James gasps. Like, he is not the one who texted him that. <laughs> He's acting like he just heard this for the first time. Like, oh my god, that's vile. Why did he gasp? See, this is a moment where James, I'm just he really cracks me up. <laughs> so anyway, when James tells Ken and Lisa about his sobriety and how he's struggling with, you know, uh, smoking too much weed, Lisa says, you know, I kind of feel like weed is pretty innocuous but not when you needed to get through the day. And then they both kind of suggest, well, maybe you should just cut down. And I just guess because so many, really all that James and Lisa ever talk about is his sobriety and how it affects him and how it affects her business. I guess I just would have thought that she would have been like, yeah, you really maybe need to consider doing this instead of being like, well, maybe you should just not do it so much. Very interesting. Okay, so another storyline that was very interesting is that Sheena goes to Pilates in the beginning of the episode with Katie and Lala. In that, they start talking shit because the day before Lala had gotten into it with Sandoval. And of course, Katie doesn't like Sandoval. So they're both just like going back and forth, you know, talking shit about Sandoval and how he sucks. And Sheena's just sitting there very uncomfortable, not saying anything, not telling them to stop not saying anything encouraging, that sort of thing. And she later tells Tom Schwartz and Sandoval and uh, a couple of other people, Brock, were also there, that what happened with Katie and Lala and how uncomfortable she was that they were talking shit about them. And then Schwartz has a very interesting response, which is, he starts to defend them and he's like, you know what? That's not what they do. Katie and Lala, like, don't just spin around and talk shit, uh, spin out and talk shit about people. You know, you're making a sweeping generalization. But then in a confessional, he says that, yeah, Katie and Lala do like to talk shit. But, you know, if Sheena was upset about what Katie and Lala were saying, then she should have spoken up 
in that moment instead of waiting a week later to gossip about it to everybody else. And then he says, it's weak. And I know it's weak because it's what I do most of the time. (laughs) Well, as long as you know, you know, admittance is the first step. So this turns into exactly what Tom Short said is that he ends up telling Katie. Katie ends up telling Lala. They end up confronting Sheena at the Mad Max at Brock's party. And it's just, it was a very weird conversation. Really, really weird. But Katie and Lala basically were like, well, if you would just, well, mostly Lala. We're like, oh, well, if you would just said it in the moment, like, don't talk about them, then I would have respected it, which we all know is not the case. But she should have said it. Would Lala have respected it? No. But she should have said it in the moment. And I I don't know. It, it was just weird. I, I don't really care. <laughs> they were... Uh, Katie came up with this weird theory about how maybe Sheena is doing this because she was just trying to keep her hands clean and then say that she was innocent. But I'm like, no, I think she's actually friends or, you know, she thinks that she's best friends anyway with Sandoval. And that's why she didn't want to talk shit. Just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean that everybody doesn't like them either. You know, and I think that's where Katie gets mixed up. Okay, so let's get back to Katie and Tom. So they have two nights of drinks, party, let's put, let's make up some concoctions to put on the menu for Schwartz and Sandy. So on night one, they have it at the Schwartz's house and there's tension. Katie and Sandoval are going back and forth and, uh, first of all, I just want to talk about that Cape Canaveral Caprese that actually looked really, really good. I want to have it. I want to try it. I want to know more about it. It looked like it had balsamic vinegar in it. And that's, that's, it sounds refreshing, honestly. Anyway, Tom makes a comment about how we're going to work on drinks first and then the names. And James makes a joke to Katie, like, oh, uh, are we going to work on the names for the bar as well? And so Jesse, who's also there for whatever reason, is... He asked Katie, well, what was your idea for the bar name? And she says, uh, what, once upon a Tom. And then James, Jesse's like, oh, that is kind of cute, actually. So maybe that is better than Shorts and Sandy's. But um, then they start to talk about the name. And Katie starts to rib Sandoval about how, like, you're the only one who likes Shorts and Sandy's. And then Schwartz says, well, no, actually, I like it, too. And then he says in a confessional that he doesn't really worry about the small stuff. He's more of a big picture guy and kind of feel like the name of your bar is maybe the most big picture aspect of the bar. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, Schwartz is really sticking up for the name. And he's like, no, I actually really like it. And then she starts to mock him and says, like, yeah, like, you know, you're being a little too enthusiastic about it. Somehow this turns into Sandoval possibly attempting to take credit for the fact that Schwartz proposed to Katie. I really don't know where he was going with that. I'm, I'm, I would like to be let off driver, please, at this stop. I, I'll ride for you, Sandoval, but this, I, I didn't understand where he was going with this. But anyway, um, Katie basically says that Tom can't take criticism. And then they just start yelling at each other about the name of the bar until Sandoval says, you know, if you don't want to be on the shorts and Sandy train, then get off. And then Katie starts to walk away, but then she comes back 
And she starts to yell about her experience in the restaurant business. And in a confessional, Sandoval's like, look, listen, I understand if Katie grew up in the business. I understand that her mom worked there, but I'm the son of a firefighter. I don't know how to hook up a line and do anything like that. And, you know, Katie keeps yelling at Sandoval to get over himself. And then she turns to Schwartz and said, actually, you did this. And then Sandoval, excuse me, Schwartz rather just keeps defending Sandoval, which is what I'm told, not what married couples or people in a serious relationship would do. It's to not embarrass your partner in front of your friend and, and take their side and leave you walking away from into your own room to sulk while your partner continues to party and marry make make merry with the friend that just went off on you. James tells it like it is and says, you know, Schwartz says this all the time to Katie and I just don't understand why he wouldn't just tell Sandoval to like back off before we have a bigger problem, but he never does that. So then the next day, you guys, we see uh, Tom, you know, he starts off really sweet by giving Katie breakfast in bed, but then... (laughs) whoa he's like you know I didn't really like the way the night ended the night before she's like yeah me either and then he's like yeah it kind of feels like you instigated it <laughs> thanks I'm I'm off my avocado toast now I I don't want what you just gave me you bitch so Tom tells her you know I love you that you have my back but you really don't need to go to bat for me about the name anymore and Katie's like yeah but you didn't have my back at all And then Katie starts to explain that they have a different relationship, which is not something that you should have to do. You should not have to explain in bed, in the home that you share with the man that you married on television, on a Wednesday, for God's sakes, um, that you, as his wife, have a different relationship than he should have with Sandoval, his friend and business partner. And I just can't believe that she didn't take gutters, no, butters and Gordo and just like kick it over to Stassi's house immediately. And frankly, you know, I bet Stassi could probably use somebody to kick in on rent. Oops, never mind. Anyway, uh, Schwartz's response to I have a different relationship with you as your wife than Sandoval, he says, how so? And then Katie says, what do you mean? We're married. And Tom says, so it's just a piece of paper. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Like, dog. And then you just go to sleep with this man? And y'all just like order Taco Bell together? And then you're just like walking the dogs? And then, and then you're supposed to like look this man in the eye. Like I would die if a man said that I married told me that it was just a piece of paper. He don't love you, girl. Get out. Ooh, that's like I don't even care enough to be nice. Like I don't even care to like make this look good. <laughs> it's just a piece of paper. Oh. 
this is like the only time I saw Lala make any sense with these conversations that she has with people without the end of the episode with Schwartz, where she says, dog, like you really need to rethink how you treat your wife. This is really bad. (laughs) And if Randall said shit like this to me, he would be gone, which he is now. And he would be sleeping in another bedroom, which he is now. So, I mean, she was right about that. She was really practicing what she preached on that one. Um, And then she gets upset and says, I just, you know, Katie and I have been friends for a little while and he's always treated her like this. And I just feel like this is really hard to watch my friend get treated like that. Lala tells Schwartz, hey, maybe you should just recommend to Sandoval that you, that he back off a little bit. And he's like, well, you know, they're like a brother and sister. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) I would think they would not agree to that at all. (laughs) They're not brother and sister. But okay. Lala is like, I can't understand what you're saying. Oh, that's because you have Sandoval's dick in your mouth. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um... We need to stop blaming Sandoval is my thing. Like, I know a lot of you guys don't like him, especially this season. I mostly disagree, but I really have to side with him. Like, even if he was a dick to Katie, that's even more reason to for Schwartz to be defending. Like, he either needs to say to Katie, hey, really, like... We don't need to be involved in business with each other. With Sandoval. So, like, let's really revisit the sandwich shop situation. Like, I really want to do it. Like, give her some assurance that this is going to happen or something. And, yeah. It, it, I Really, they just need to break up. Like, don't even have this conversation. Don't promise her anything except for you're going to sign that sheet, that dotted line, as soon as it comes in the mail. Like, let's just wrap this up. It's it's really bad. It's really unhealthy. Good luck to you, girl. There was also a moment at the party in which uh, one of Brock's weirdo Australian friends tries to goose Charlie. And she's like, uh, get the way, get the hell away from me, you fucking loser. And Sheena's standing there the entire time. She sees it. She saw it. She fully absorbed what was happening. She really didn't defend or say anything to help Charlie out of that situation. And it was a bad look because she was basically just typing on her phone and laughing while this poor woman had to defend herself against some guy who tried to grab her ass (laughs) and was like, oh, I'm just European. (laughs) Yuck. So I think we're going to see more about that next episode. And I'm, you know, again, can't say that I'm looking forward to two women arguing about not feeling defended over, you know, coming close to being assaulted. But, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how Sheena takes that all in. (laughs) And I hope it turns out well for everyone. Okay, let's move on to Sunday's shows, which is really an unfair thing of me to say because I'm not really going to be talking about them. Because I don't feel like I just, I don't want to talk about Nicki Minaj. I just don't. 
And like, I'm not shading anybody who does. I, you know, do your thing. I don't care, but I don't care. And so even though I watched part four and I begrudgingly found some things that were asked entertaining and uh, what, you know, maybe I even like half smiled. It's just like, I just don't like it. And like, I don't even want to be preachy about it. This is just like something I don't want to talk about. So if you guys were wondering, that's where I'm at. Um, With that being said, I thought um, Wendy Osefa was on Las Culturistas last week and she was lovely. She was absolutely lovely. So I do recommend that you listen to that interview. Um, Wow. Uh, Portia's Family Matters. Wow. I didn't write notes for this. I didn't know that this was going to be airing. (laughs) I totally forgot. I, yikes. If you guys want to watch it, it's on YouTube. Um, Bravo pretty much posts every premiere of every show on YouTube. So, you know, for those of you who guys need streaming, at least you get the premiere episodes. Um, This was a bad idea. This was a really bad idea. The first two minutes, I was talking to my friend, the first two minutes, Portia basically took every bit of like, uh, we love her because she's funny. We love her because she's got a bubbly personality and just blew that right out the window. It was bad. It was like remarkably bad. I mean, we start off with her being like, I know you guys all think that the timeline of me and Simon is very weird, but it's actually not. And the more she explains it, it's actually much weirder. And much more sketchy. She's talking about how um, they didn't really speak until she found out that they were getting a divorce, Simon and Fallon, and she DM'd him. Why? Would be my first question. Why would you DM him? And then she says, I, I wonder, something along the lines of like, I feel like Simon is going to tell a different story or I don't know what story Simon's going to tell. But then they get to Simon and he's like, no, she reached out to me or no, no. Maybe she said that he reached out to her. No, no. She said, sorry, I'm so sorry. (laughs) She said that he reached out to her in the DMs. And then he says that she reached out to him Sketchy from the beginning. Y'all don't even have your stories of how you guys talked straight and y'all are mic'd up. And this is going to be forever. Forever. Let me, my head is spinning. Let me take a a brief break (laughs) and then we'll get back to it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. 
Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Okay, so then the story just gets more and more muddled, and it's not good. We get reactions, so we there's a whole large cast of characters in Portia's life. The only person we see from the Real Housewives of Atlanta is Drew that we end up seeing at her birthday party, like, at the end of the episode. So it's Lauren, her sister, her mother, of course, Dennis, their child, uh, her assistant, Silas, you know, the, you know, the team, the glam team, what have you. Um, so it just feels very off. It feels very much like she's surrounded herself with yes people and people who aren't going to leave her and people who are going to keep her story tight. (laughs) Um, Lauren is very adamant about the fact that no, everything was above board for them. The timeline is fine there. He was not married at one point. Portia said that they were going to announce their engagement. And then with the, with the hope or the idea that the following day, um, Simon's divorce would have been finalized and then it didn't. That's like the best story that they could come up with. <laughs> that you got engaged, knowing he was still married, thinking that the ink would dry the following day it didn't, and then you announced it, and then here we are. <laughs> so, okay. Um, here's a upsetting bit of information, you guys. Uh, Dennis comes off way better than Portia and Simon combined (laughs) way better he's definitely the voice of reason he is the audience reaction of like the timeline is not adding up this is some bullshit i don't believe it this is lies i don't get it i don't know what's happening i'm here i don't think she's right for him i don't understand this relationship (laughs) he does not get it all he is cracking jokes and then i realized oh i know dennis I have a dentist in my family. I think many black people listening to this can be like, oh, I know a dentist. The dentist who's like, not quite cute, but he's always got a woman on his arm. He's a smooth talker. He's funny. He gets away with a lot. The older women love him. I get it. I Now I understand. Because I've been having questions because he barely spoke on Atlanta. But now uh, I get it. I get it. I don't, I wouldn't fuck him, to be clear. But I get why somebody would. (laughs) Also, I'm pretty much of the belief that uh, Portia still has feelings for Dennis, which would not be surprising to me. So she's having this birthday party and she's trying to act like, you know, everything is great. Dennis is fine. Our relationship is fine. But then Dennis says that he's going to bring a date to her birthday and she's like, no. So then I think he, does he end up coming? I don't know if he ends up going. But Simon, this is like the only time he's kind of like, I agreed with him. He's like, no, I think you should allow him to have a date. It's not really a good look that you're making such a big deal about seeing him with some woman. And she's trying to make the case of like, oh, I just don't want him bringing all these women around PJ. But it's like, girl, what are you doing? Because you've only known this man for about three months and maybe 15 minutes. So... You know, unless you want to tell the truth and tell them, tell us how long you've really been in a relationship, Portia. Because, <laughs> um, you know, we got to keep our timeline straight. Um, guys, this is really bad. I don't know if I could watch it. And I watch Hoarders. 
you know? Like, I think that this might be too upsetting for me. <laughs> this is bad. This is really bad, you guys. Real bad. There was another part where, okay, because it's her birthday, Simon posts on Instagram, like, a, a dedication. And she's all up in arms because she's like, you know, everybody watches every move that we make on Instagram Especially when, you know, Simon, when you're posting about me, it's like people have a lot to say. All eyes are on us, right? So apparently she looks at his birthday post and she's like, oh, she looks at the caption is fine. And then she's scrolling through the carousel and she's like, huh, these are all pictures that I specifically told Simon not to post about us. Now, the reasons for those were vague. I think it was just like, you know, I just wanted to keep them private, but you know, maybe it's because people could probably figure out timelines and maybe I saw something in the background or whatever, but you know, I don't, you didn't say, so let's, I'm just spitballing here. Um, so he posts all these pictures that she explicitly told him not to, and she's deeply upset about it. And so my question, and I'm going to leave, leave us here. My question is, why are you trying to convince the world that you are deeply in love with this man and that it is right and you guys are soulmates and the timeline was right and everything is good and we're supposed to rah-rah root for you guys and your love? Hashtag love wins. You guys remember when she did that? Yeah, she did. She did that on her post <laughs> announcing that she was in a relationship with a married man. She ended it by doing hashtag love wins. And I'm pretty sure this is pretty close to Pride Month, but... Okay, anyway, um, so why is she so adamant on convincing us of this? And the truth of the matter is that she can't even get him to listen to her when she asks him not to post certain pictures on Instagram. And now you did it on her birthday when probably the most people are going to look at it. <laughs> and you still don't understand. He's like, well, I'm just going to keep doing it anyway because that's just the way I am. So, mazel to you, mazel to, uh, to us all. <laughs> all right, can we move on to Orange County? Yeah, yeah, I think we can. Oh, I forgot about one quick little thing from Vanderpump. So there were rumors that they are filming the reunion today, Friday. Um, or today when you hear it, Friday, and that apparently the streets are saying that Randall was out here in these streets uh, trying to pay people off who had seen and had evidence of him cheating on other women and that Randall will be at the reunion, maybe not now that this rumor is out, but we'll see, and that this will be addressed. So stay tuned on that one. Yeah, and uh, let's move on to Orange County. Oh my goodness. Shannon, she said that Nicole sued your husband. Are you kidding me right now, Gina? I'm done. I want to talk to Heather. Your trash is her. This is a disaster. No, 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 there's no filming. It's over. No, no. I'm kicking everyone out of my house. Wow, wow, wow. What a time. What a time to be back in Heather DeBro's world. What a gift to us all. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm able to watch Real Housewives of Orange County again because I didn't think it would happen. And let's just take a deep breath and let it, let the dot out. Let the dot right out of our systems. We're free, you guys. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. 
There's a champ's bell on the wall and I'm feeling good. Okay. I, wow. I didn't know how much I missed my girl until I saw her and I had a feeling I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to watch Orange County. I'm looking forward to seeing Heather, but just seeing it all come together. Ooh, please don't make me regret this, Heather. I'm really singing your praises in a way that I don't with most people. Okay. So don't, don't hurt me, girl. Um, the episode starts off perfectly. Heather's walking through her, you know, we're walking into the portico share. We're walking into this palatial doors of Chateau de Bro. And she's walking through this grand hallway and out into the vast great beyond of Orange County. And then she says, I'm back. And it's a bit of a fake out because she's really back in our hearts and on our televisions, but also she's back in real time with her children and her husband. And it's just like, we're dropped right into them eating dinner, pizza with pineapple on it made by their hot chef named Nick. And it's like, we never left, you know, we, we just pick up right where we left off. The kids are five years older and we're just having fun. We're checking in, we're talking, the kids are doing really well. And I have to say, I really like, I'm giving her so much credit and I'm nervous about it, <laughs> but something about Heather and Terry's children really makes me like them so much more. And I think that's just, we have this idea of who these people are. They seem very controlled and, um, all of that. And so I was just, I'm just surprised to see that they have seemingly four healthy, happy, well-adjusted kids who were allowed to be themselves and allowed to express themselves freely. And they communicate with their kid, their children very openly. And it just seemed like if this was fake, they did a really good job at tricking me. I'll say that. <laughs> They're having rich people conversations about possibly building a vacation home in Idaho. And, you know, kids, just let me know if you like it. And if not, we'll just look somewhere else. No big deal. Um, they're talking about, I, you know, just everyday life. The kids, the twins are about to turn 18, which thank God, because Nick is really cute kid. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say any more than that, but you know, if I'm still single when he's 25, I might have some more comments about that. We'll just say that. Um, all the kids seem super well adjusted. <laughs> what was the other twin's name? Is her name Max? I think um, she made a joke about how she can't wait to turn 18. And she was trying to make a joke about how like now I'm going to be legal, which is, you know, dark, sis, a little dark, but nobody got it. <laughs> she turns to her twin Max and Nikki and says, you know, I don't think you're really picking up what I'm putting down. He's like, no, I don't think I am. I, I just love, I love that there are like three girls and it's like the seemingly, the three daughters all seem like just very like kind of artsy and whatever. And, and Nick just seems like a bro, but also like a bro who's been around Heather and these women who have been allowed to express themselves. And he just seems like a really nice kid. Maybe we should hook him up with, uh, you know, Shannon, the old one, the, not the old one, the oldest daughter. That, that might be a good look. Anyway, um, I was really happy. I, I really, really just, I, I loved it. I, I loved it. Ugh. 
I felt at home immediately. Then we see Gina and Emily driving because Gina finally has her license back from driving drunk after a LuLaRoe party. Did I mention this on the podcast? (laughs) I know I posted about it on my Instagram, but if you didn't, like, let's put the pieces together, you guys. Somebody posted a couple months ago. I think Gina was at a LuLaRoe party. This was like after Lula Rich came out. The, the clip that comes from Orange County when she's talking to her father about the DUI. She's telling the story. She's wearing these like loud print leggings at the time. But then she says like her explanation of the story is like, I was at a uh, a leggings party. <laughs> like a mommy, like a mommy I I can't remember how she described it, but like a mom empowerment leggings party or something like that. Like, girl, I see the print on those leggings. Well, let's put two and two together and we'll find, you know, probably a couple of, uh, oh God, do you imagine? (gasps) I didn't even think about this. What if Gina was part of the Tijuana Skinnies group chat? Could you imagine? (laughs) God bless. Anyway. Gina's doing well now. She's extension free. Gina and Emily are doing really well. Their relationship is back on track. Emily says in a confessional that like they're closer than ever. And she feels like the reason why they had discord in the past was because they had deep shit, heavy shit going on in their personal lives. But like now Gina's great. She's happy. She's in her relationship with Travis. Totally good. So they're at a Pilates class. And I died. I absolutely died at this information. So Emily tells Gina, after they're done with Pilates, that... So we all know that Shane has been trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing to pass the California bar for years now. Okay? Um, Last time he took it was around COVID. So Emily tells Gina... (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Emily tells Gina that because of the pandemic, the California bar decided to lower the score for the pass rate. And because of that, Shane just so happened to meet the requirements because he got a higher, I think they lowered the score to 1390. So he ended up testing at a higher score than that. So only... Because of a pandemic, a global pandemic, did Shane pass the California bar? (laughs) Now, this is funny to me, and I'm going to get dark. I'm going to get a little bit dark. I I had a dark realization that if you don't want to hear it, like, let's just, just skip ahead a minute. But I had a thought. That before I skipped out on, on, uh, Orange County last season, we found out that Shane had COVID, right? That he contracted COVID pretty early on into 2020. He was in the hospital. He had it pretty bad. And I just couldn't help but wonder, sliding doors moment, what if Shane had died of COVID? And then only to find out posthumously that because of COVID, he passed the California bar. It would have been insane. It would have been insane. But anyway, back to real life where Gina is also just absolutely letting out a hearty chuckle, just like I am. And she, what a good friend. Her asking Emily, like, do I have permission to make fun of him? Please. And Emily says, yeah, of course. So then in a confessional, Gina, (laughs) Gina says, 
I just cannot believe that he only passed the bar because they lowered it so he could reach it. And then, you know, it's it was the hand movements for me because it, it let us know that not only was she was doing like a double, a double entente, if you will, of the literal part of them having to lower the bar, but also Shane Short. And she just thinks it's very funny <laughs> that they had to lower it so that he could reach it, you know, and the hand movements really, really drove that point home. And she, oh, I, I just, I love Gina. Do I love Gina? I think I love Gina. Anyway, um, then Gina really starts like getting deep and she's talking about how the pandemic has really been affecting her and her relationship with her ex-husband. So we know from a couple of years ago that he had assaulted her. She filed charges against him and that they were supposed to go to court. She was supposed to do a victim's impact statement. However, because of the pandemic, she, the court's date kept getting postponed and postponed. And what happened is that ironically, she ends up forming a better relationship with Matt, her ex-husband. And then it comes to the time where the courts are officially like, okay, you do have to do this victim impact statement. And it kind of like brought everything back. It fucked up their relationship again. She started getting angry. Like it just brought up a bunch of memories and how it's like really kind of messing with her. And you could tell, cause in the confessional, she's talking about this. She's crying. She's like, I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And she gets up from her chair and she's like, I just can't. And you could tell that, you know, she was truly at the end of her rope. This has been a very emotionally exact taxing and exhausting situation for her. And I really felt for her like what torture of having to like wait and wait and wait to let that out and have that like closure of that victim impact statement. I can't even imagine. It sounds so stressful. And like to have those emotions come back, like I truly can't even imagine. Then just like, just to make us come back to earth and, and to have a little brightness again, Shannon, just we're back to our classic delusional panicked <laughs> anxiety ridden Shannon Bedore. And we see her shopping with her girls who have gone from lock. Remember their girls group lock ladies of rock to like full on Haim cosplay. Um, Penelope or whatever the oldest daughter's name is, is back from uh, Texas. Cause she goes to Baylor and she asked Shannon how she would feel if she moved to Texas permanently. <laughs> and the editors shaded the fuck out of Shannon by doing this, like not even a black and white filter. It was this bright white filter on her freeze frame and like the mommy dearest psycho killer mu- movie music <laughs> while she thought about it. And she says to, you know, Penelope or whatever her name is that, you know, it just depends on where in Texas because I'm just like worried about Zika virus because it'll affect whether or not you're going to have children. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at Zika virus, but like of all the things, this is the part where like moms are just so funny. Like you really just had that in, in your holster ready. If she ever mentions moving to Texas permanently, I will bring up Zika virus and that will bring my baby home. <laughs> Then we get a whole montage of Shannon just freaking out over the fact that her uh, girls are now young women and they have women bodies and, and that they like to wear scarves as tops. And, and then I, it just really made me laugh that 
the, one of the daughters' name is Stella. I remember that because when they're talking about how they're getting older and how they're going to leave and all of that, <laughs> Stella said, oh, well, you're going to be alone. And then the other twin says, well, you'll have Archie, the dog. <laughs> and I just love that they didn't even mention the fact that maybe Shannon would be here with her boyfriend, John, the one that she's been with for like three years now. <laughs> Maybe that points to some discord. I've heard some things about Shannon and John's relationship that it's like pretty volatile, not like violent, but like they're very off and on. I I would, I would like to hear more about that. Anyway, we're introduced to our first new housewife of the season, which is a woman named Nicole Frank. And Nicole is a friend of Heather's that they've known for years. And Heather brings up how they go for a walk. Heather brings up how Shannon had reached out to her recently and how they've come into communication lately and Nicole's like oh well like I know her because our daughters were in preschool together but we're not like friends like that so Heather says that in the past five years she's spoken to Shannon probably three times and one day they like hit each other up uh, on the dms and they've kind of like just kind of went from there So Heather tells Nicole that Shannon started bringing up all these good times that they had had in the past, you know, on the show. And she's like, I kind of wonder if maybe Shannon's approaching this, like, mom's approach childbirth. Like, you just don't remember all the bad times and how bad it sucked. (laughs) And then she says in a confessional that she and Shannon were never really that close. And she thinks it's kind of funny that her maiden name is Storms because she definitely was one. And then we get this montage of, you know, you will all see the truth. And and <laughs> how she claimed that, that Terry and Heather vowed to take them down. <laughs> like, for what, girl? <laughs> Do you guys remember that fight? They finally had that, like, David and Shannon, Heather and Terry standoff. I think they were at dinner with somebody. And then Terry, like, really tried to, like, tell them off and he's like uh you know what you're like the medical definition of a penis <laughs> i'm gonna have to go back and watch that because it was so lame heather tells nicole that she's hoping that maybe she can have a fresh start with shannon but we'll see <laughs> and we will see then we meet um the next new housewife who is a doctor dr jen we meet when gina and emily go to her office to have like some work done gina's getting a little plumping put some whatever into my chin let's go baby jen brought up something a term that i never heard of called tech neck which i guess is like the wrinkles that you get from always looking down at your phone Ooh, i think i might have that anyway gina says that she met dr jen at brown one's vow renewal <laughs> and jen offered some services and she's like you know then life happened and now here i am cashing in on them So then we see Heather going to Nobu. So she's planning a party. She wants to go to plan the menu. And she says, basically, there really ain't no party like a Heather DeBro party because the Heather DeBro party is immersive and it delights all of your senses. And I would really like to touch on that later. However, I was just shocked to find out that there was a woman that showed up at this Nobu with Heather and Nicole and she was black. And I spotted a curl pattern and I like, I I hate, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, that I pointed at the phone at at the TV and I said, she's black. (laughs) I couldn't admit it. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know. I didn't know. That's Whitney. Anyway, 
Noella really took us on a fucking ride, did she not? So first, I first of all, like I'm I'm riding off the the fumes of her being black. I I could not imagine it. Then we find out that she is married to an attorney who goes by Sweet James, and apparently he has billboards or at least one billboard somewhere in Orange County. So Noella and Nicole are friends because they met. <laughs> As she tells it, as Noella tells us, in a private airport bathroom. And then they realized that they had the same, what I'm assuming was like a Cartier love bracelet. They became fast friends. They leave the (laughs) private airport bathroom and out pops out Sweet James. So apparently, Noella tells us in a confessional that she and Sweet James met online. And that they met in real life, like a few ma- a few weeks later, they went, I think she's out at the Ritz Carlton for drinks. And the one, the bartender asked if they wanted another round. She's like, no, we're going to get a room. And then she fucked him. And she, she went upstairs at the Ritz Carlton and fucked a man who goes by sweet James. Let that sink in. Heather really, really killed me. <laughs> When they're like, Noella's telling this this story about how uh, her mom was an attorney and her mom told her never to marry a doctor or a lawyer because they're married to their pagers. But then her mom made like an amendment and said, well, you can marry an attorney, but don't marry and make sure it's not an ambulance chaser. And then I feel like Heather did not mean to say this out loud, but she did. And I laughed and she says, well, that didn't work out for you. Or maybe it did. (laughs) Well, damn, (laughs) this is really my kind of carrying on. Anyway, Noella asks Heather how long she and Terry have been married. And she's like, oh, you know, we've been married 22 years. We're coming up on 25 years since our blind date. Noella makes a comment about, I think, I think she said something about her butt. I tried to rewind it. I couldn't hear. And Heather's like, oh, you know, nobody wants to hear about the sex lives of married people. And she's like, no, they definitely do. Like I have a sex dungeon. People want to hear about that. She's like, you're loving it. It's so chic. It's like red and black. And uh, Nicole's like, yeah, I don't think Heather wants to go to your sex dungeon. And Heather's like, I absolutely will not be there. Can't make it. But I love that you love it, girl. Congratulations. (laughs) So then Gina, Emily, and Shannon go out for drinks. And Emily makes a joke about like, hey, let's cheers to the new Trace Amigas. Shannon does a cheers to relationships that start off like rocky and then end up good and in a confessional she says that she really hadn't had that much of a relationship with gina or emily but that she and gina went on a trip to new york and they had a lot of alone time together and dinners and things are much better between them now and also because she has to film with them and she really doesn't have any allies anymore but okay heather invites shannon to lunch and shannon was like, oh, I promised my friend Gina I was going to go to lunch with her, so can she come along? Shannon says yes. Heather says yes. So then Shannon brings up the fact that Heather had mentioned a woman that she had known from her kids' preschool days named Nicole. But they were getting confused because uh, Shannon thought her last name was Weiss, but her last name now is James. And so she's like, maybe I have dementia? (laughs) Why are we going to dementia? (laughs) But she's like, you know, I really, I know her. We had a friendship. We kind of had a falling out. It was no big deal. It was like, they don't have drama. We find out the twist 
is well first she says you know she's like kind of a bombshell when i met her she was beautiful she looked like pam anderson she used to date kid rock and i'm just kind of worried and i'm hoping that this is not the same nicole because she doesn't tell us then we go back to our first at home with jen i noticed and i'm sure a lot of people said this she looks a lot like gretchen or at least what I remember Gretchen looks like, because if you were to look at her Instagram, which I refuse to, but if you were to see screenshots of her Instagram for the past like three years, she basically looks like a precious moments doll because of how like heavily she relies on the blur tool. It's, it, it's dark. It's dark. Anyway, Jen, Dr. Jen has a husband who's named Ryan, but it's spelled R Y N E, which feels really orange County. But then I had a thought, which is, Given our history with Ryan's on Orange County, it's probably much better that we have an alternate spelling because the the traditional one has not served us well in this franchise. So Jen, first of all, Ryan, not at any point in this episode do we see him um, A, with a shirt on or B, with a, not with a chihuahua tucked under his arm. Ryan is a himbo. An Orange County himbo, for sure. He's got the, like, funky, chunky jewelry necklace, uh, like a surfer body. Um, She says that she and Ryan met. They were both, when they met, they were both seeing each other. But then about a month later, she was a, she was single and... She says, I didn't get, we didn't exchange numbers, but a month later he reached out to me and I just happened to be single. And then she goes, I don't know if he was single. I actually didn't have, I never asked him that. (laughs) Anyway, so Ryan was a stay at home husband, dad, and till he recently got into the luxury, like he does like high end Airbnb. It sounds like they have that Chihuahua by the name is named Mr. Puppers, which like, I loved it. We see their child or one of their children because she has twins. And then another one, I guess she said, you know, our relationship went very fast. We had three kids in 15 months. And one of the children seems to have a fixation on using the lint roller on the outdoor furniture. Now, I'm not sure if this child was trying to be on television or if they like maybe need to talk to somebody about this, but it was interesting to say the least. Dr. Jen says that Ryan has a tendency to put being a father first before anything, even being a husband. And that's really the main issue that they have with each other. Then we see Heather, Shannon, and Gina meet up for lunch. Heather tells us in a confessional, excuse me, Shannon tells us in a confessional, this actually is not the first time she's been to Javier's in the past, like, 12 hours. (laughs) So apparently, (laughs) um... Shannon, Gina, and Emily had gone out for drinks the night before at Javier's. They just happened to run into Heather. They were talking. And Shannon got shit-faced, basically. She says, things get a little fuzzy after Heather arrived. But apparently, she forgot her credit card. Emily and Gina had left at this point. And so, Heather is, like, very light and bright. It's like, you know, I ended up paying your bill, like, I didn't think the first time I saw you in five years, you would dine and dash and I'd have to pay for it, but whatever. (laughs) Shannon's like, I have money for you. And she's like, it's really not a big deal. I just thought it was funny, but 
Then the conversation moves on to Heather realizing, hey, Shannon, Nicole that you were thinking about is the same Nicole. And Shannon makes a face like, ah, shit. (laughs) So in a confessional, a producer asks Gina to explain what is the tea? What's going on with Shannon and Nicole? And so Gina's like, I'll do it. No problem. So apparently back in the day, Nicole once sued Terry Dubrow. (laughs) This is very interesting because it's not as though Nicole and Heather don't have a history. Like clearly they don't like know each other, know each other. They're Nicole's obviously testing for the show and she's coming in through Heather, but they know each other enough to know that Nicole, it's going to come out that you sued her husband (laughs) and it's not going to be good. So then Shannon brings up the fact that Nicole used to date Kid Rock. And so Heather's like, oh, let me text her, Nicole, to confirm. Nicole texts right back. She's like, yeah, I did date him. And in a confessional, Gina says, okay, well, now that we know this is the same woman, Shannon needs to tell Heather, like, what are we talking about Kid Rock for? This is absurd. (laughs) So Heather gets up to the bathroom and Gina's like, hey, uh, are you going to say anything? And Shannon shushes her because, you know, they're mic'd up and She says, no, like, we're not talking about this for real. Then we get back-to-back interviews with Shannon and Gina. And Shannon starts off by saying, you know, we had this conversation last night with Emily. And that, you know, I told them that if this is the same Nicole, we're not going to get into it. But then Gina says, I don't get it. I don't understand why she wouldn't tell her. It's like, there's something going on that it's Shannon. Excuse me. Something's going on. And Shannon's doing it because she's Shannon. (laughs) And she knows she's up to something. So then Heather comes back to the table and mentions that, hey, like, we're pretty close to my house. So, you know, the party I'm having, it's going to be kind of crazy. So if you guys just like want to stop by for a tour, no problem. Let's do it right now. Girl, Gina was America in that moment. This is maybe the best kind of house tour that we've had on Bravo because Gina's commentary of just being like, what the fuck? Where am I? (laughs) Just like in this 22,000 square foot. Can you call it something that's 22,000 square foot a home? Like it, I don't even know if it qualifies as a mansion. Like what are the, what are the square foot requirements for a mansion? Is this like an estate? I need to know, like what's the official uh, opinion on that? But Holy shit. The wealth. From the the port-a-cachere that is just pristine and it doesn't look like there's ever been a spot of oil from a car um, dripped on it. The chandelier in the foyer of the house and how she said that it came in on the largest truck, shipping truck ever in the history of America. What? (laughs) The window that was etched with a tree that had the four birds for their children and the two eggs for the frozen ones that Heather hasn't um, unfrozen yet, fertilized yet. Then they go to Terry's office and Gina's like, does he have clients here? And Heather's like, no. She's like, but he works here. And Heather says, no. (laughs) I'm like, well, shit. To make it even funnier, with every room that they go in, Shannon's head just keeps getting closer and closer to her neck. And I'm just remembering that they used to be neighbors. 
And now, well, <laughs> so Gina definitely isn't helping the situation with Shannon. She's like, when they open the refrigerator, Shannon, did your refrigerator look like this? Did you have a view like this at your old house? By the way, Gina's um, accent seems to have greatly decreased and like, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Um, Shannon's like, you know, I'm kind of getting triggered a little bit here because my house with David was like my fourth child and there were a lot of good and bad memories in that home and Heather's house is just making me realize that. Then she tells Heather and Gina that until recently, she had not even been back to that neighborhood since she moved out. And kind of, she's looking through all the stuff that Heather has and that she used to have in her house. And she's like, I kind of, it's weird because I feel like I didn't even have that life. Then they go to the bathroom and Heather's like, oh, you guys, this is the best part. So you take a shower and then you go and you go to this drawer and Gina's like, please tell me that's not heated towels. I don't know if I could be friends with you anymore. Okay, I'm going to go touch these towels. <laughs> She's just like, just luxuriating in this moment. Just like, fuck you, bitch. But also, I want this. I want this so bad. Then they go into the, the closet. And I honestly thought that Gina was going to have a heart attack. Like, she was like, I told Travis I wanted this. I wanted the, the staircase like Belle. I just wanted to be like Belle. <laughs> And she's like, look at the the closet. It has all the windows and the glass that people probably have to clean very regularly. This is the life that I want. And I want it. And you know what? I, Kara, I want it too. I want it too. I want fresh, white, pristine, clean, warm towels straight out of the shower. I want that. I want that. I want a button in my ridiculous closet that says push for champagne in the style of Chanel. I want that. I really do. I really do. I'm I'm hesitating here because I'm recording and I, you guys, I'm, I'm dog sitting right now and I'm recording somewhere <laughs> that they don't have a blind in the middle panel. And so there's somebody who's staring at me right across the street and they're just looking and looking at me. And I'm feeling very frozen in time. So anyway, maybe this would be a good time to take a break while I let this person know that I can see them. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, I'm back. She's officially closed her blinds, so I think we're back in business. Um, where are we here? Okay, so our next scene, we see Noella and Nicole. They're hanging out, and Noella is talking to Nicole about how, like, grateful she is to have met Nicole because, like, I don't like any of these moms. 
at my school. They're all like was one uh, Lululemon legging after another. And thank God I found you. You're finally real. And I am really appreciative of that. So Noella gives us more of her story, which is basically like kind of a rags to riches because she says that she was born a welfare baby, but then her mom uh, ended up opening up a private practice. And so she knows both sides and she starts talking about how I am the best friend you could ever have, but you know, I've got some bodies buried. Excuse me. This is Nicole talking. I'm the best friend you could ever have, but I do have some bodies buried and then we see an old picture of her with Bronwyn. And then she makes like a pukey face. Do we know what happened there? Like you guys are refused to watch last season because of you know who. So if there's information about that, holler at me. Anyway, Noella's living high on the hog now with Sweet James. They have a three-story, 10,000-square-foot home with a subterranean garage and a sex dungeon with a couple of shake and go wigs. And if you want to go red, you want to go blonde, you can do that. Whatever your choice is. The room really gave me Alex and Simon. Remember when they were redecorating that like front room in their townhouse and they did those like, ugh, those like bordello, like, what do you call it? Like, not bordello. You, you know what I mean? Like, thought, it's like somebody would come out at any point and be like, oh, you know, you been around here before? Hey, Sonny, like, uh, you want a sarsaparilla? You know, that, like that kind of vibe. Um, what's in a sarsaparilla? Is that alcohol? I don't think it is. Anyway. Um, so (laughs) the, the, the room just looked so hideous. I, I could not. So everybody gets ready for Heather DeBro's party and Shannon's daughters have to help her put on her shoes but they start, they start oh, I totally lost my tongue here. They start calling her bougie and she has to ask what bougie means. Now, didn't Shannon grow up rich? Now you've made it to 60 plus and never knowing people all around you have been using the word bougie because she says, I hear that word all the time, but I don't know what it means. How is that possible? Shannon. Gina and Emily ride separately, but they decide to FaceTime each other on the way. And they're just like fully talking shit. And they're talking about how Shannon's basically a sniper from the side. She does this shit all the time that she's trying to do now with Heather and Nicole. And she's basically trying to get people to talk about things, keep her hands clean, and then claim to innocence afterwards. So Emily even exposes her and says... Yeah, Shannon reached out to me and was like, uh, you're a lawyer. Can't you find out what Nicole sued Terry Terry for? (laughs) Like, why do you need that information? I mean, like, thank you. It's really going to make for a great season. But like, (laughs) what does she think she's doing? The thing about Shannon is that she's such a bad liar. She has a horrific, she's absolutely dreadful at like trying to do things behind the scenes. She always gets caught Remember when she, like a few seasons ago, it, there was, they were somewhere with Kelly and Kelly was trying not to drink because I think she was trying to control herself. But then Shannon was like telling the bartender or the waiter to order her like double tequilas or double vodkas to like get her wasted, to get her to pop off on people. 
And she, Kelly confronted her about her about it later, and she was like, no, I didn't try to do that, even though we saw her on camera whisper to the waiter to do exactly what she's claiming she told him not to do. She didn't do. Wow. So this is, like, really funny. And I'm just loving how it kind of seems like there seems to be an element of, like, a big sister, little sister thing with Gina and Shannon. And... It also seems like Gina has no loyalty to Shannon whatsoever. And I love it. I'm kind of like really loving this dynamic of being like, I'll kick it with you and we can get wasted, but I will leave you at a restaurant with no credit card. And I'm also going to be like, call you out on your shit. Now, granted, I'm completely on Gina's side. It does not make sense that that Shannon would want to keep this a secret. And it, further makes even less sense that she's now like trying to orchestrate things from behind the scenes and the fact that like Emily and Gina are both like we're not doing this with you girl is really funny to me Gina is in a precarious situation because clearly we see that she and Heather are about to form a friendship that seems kind of like the one that Shannon has with Gina and Gina's like I just, I can't do this. Like, I don't want to sit across and kiki and have lunch with Heather knowing that you told me this. And I just feel like Shannon just needs to tell her. So Emily says that she feels like she and Gina are going to get screwed because if it comes out, then the fingers are going to get pointed at them. And Gina says, I'm not going to mention anything, but if Heather says anything, I'm not going to hold back either. So if she asks me, I'm going to tell her (laughs) and I'm here for it. Um, So the party starts and it's just very typical, you know, one size four to size six after the other. And I loved when Shannon showed up. There were already some ladies there, some of Heather's friends. And Shannon's like the the first housewife to show up. So Heather's like, oh, you know, these women, I, I know these are a couple of familiar faces. And I'm like, I was just thinking to myself, like in Orange County, can you really say that? <laughs> How long is a face really familiar in those circles? You know what I mean? Anyway, at this point, Dr. Jen and Shannon are introduced slash reintroduced to each other because they have to remind Shannon, no, you have met Dr. Jen before. She was also at uh, Bronwyn's vow renewal but shannon's like i don't know she there were flashback clips of her being so wasted and not even being able to speak english correctly so (laughs) another night where shannon can't remember and i love it at this point gina's like on the brim she's one step closer to the edge and she's about to break she wants to tell everything she's like i can't do this i don't really know how much longer i can keep this a secret and that's the end of the episode But then we get this flash forward that was maybe one of the best, one of the most like top well-edited flash forwards that I've seen of just like clearly Gina said what she had to say. (laughs) Clearly Shannon finds out she's very pissed. Other people get pissed. Breaking fourth walls. Heather's going up the stairs in her house and says everybody needs to get the fuck out. She's done. We're seeing cameras being packed up. I cannot wait. This genuinely looks like a great season. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I 
can't guarantee that I'm going to continue recapping this. I probably will. Like, if the episodes are going to be even a little bit less good than this, then I definitely will tune in. Um, But I thought this was a great, great premiere. A great reintroduction to our Heather. A great uh, establishing of what was going on. Honestly, having not watched really only but a few seasons or a few episodes of last season, I felt like we didn't miss anything. I, I didn't feel like I missed, I just didn't feel like we skipped a beat. I felt like we were back and everything was the same without who, you know who. And I'm, I, I loved it. I loved it. I, it really goes to show that like, <clears throat> you know, you can take people out and they end up meaning absolutely nothing to the show. It's like, they don't take anything away. Um, I thought this was a solid episode. It did not feel like we were feeling the absence of anybody. And I loved it. And I just want to say that I thought that Heather's fashions during this episode were really fun. Very much like Dorit giving us labels, labels, labels. She went to Nobu in this Fendi uh, outfit that I thought was really fun. It had like the Fendi print dress and the Fendi earrings and the Fendi uh, bag. And so apparently she was on Watch What Happens Live. Kelly, I guess, had nothing better to do because neither she nor that man that she married uh, have jobs or lives or anything, really. Any They don't have anything to do but to be mean to people and try to get attention for being dicks. And this is exactly why I probably shouldn't talk about this, but shout out to Heather for having the clapback of, not the century, but, you know, of certainly the past 18 hours, I would say. Um, so Heather, Kelly was tweeting about the show and how Heather's fashions were bad. And like, who wears Fendi on Fendi on Fendi? Who wears Louis on Louis? And she's like, oh, you know, look it up. It's a thing. A lot of people do it. And also, like, I just think it's kind of sad that she has the time to talk about me and not like, doesn't she, don't you have anything else to do? <laughs> like, isn't, isn't this sad for you? And like, yeah, you're right, girl. Like, what did Heather think she, or what did Kelly think she was going to like, Oh, oh, you got her. Like, do you think she was going to cry off of Watch What Happens Live where you're sitting there from your couch tweeting about her while she's on Watch What Happens Live and she's just had the big premiere where she's back and everybody loves her? Good, nice try, Kelly. Like, even I'm a little bit disappointed in you. (laughs) Anyway, y'all, I'm so excited. So, yeah, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. (laughs) 